I'm Dawn. And I'm Cole. And Scottish Murders is a true crime podcast dedicated to people from or living in Scotland. Just like anywhere else in the world, these murders can be truly horrific and shocking. And we want to shine more light upon them. Join us every two weeks on Scottish Murders, where we'll bring you cases both solved and unsolved, giving you an insight into the other side of Bonnie Scotland. Find us wherever you stream your podcasts, as well as on social media. Join us there. Bye! Podcast, a weekly podcast that chats true crime, conspiracy theories, folklore, paranormal stories, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. I'm one of your hosts, Alex. And Christy. And this week we are back talking conspiracy theories. But as always, before we dive into the episode itself, Christy and I have questions to ask each other. And I will start this little segment by asking Christy, what is your need for a distraction this week? Well, we just did a bit of chatting before we recorded this, but it's been like a very chaotic day. Alex mentioned something about Mercury, which I was like, whatever. But I very much am like, I am living in chaos right now. I almost missed work this morning. I slept in. I feel like nothing's going right for me today. I am it's been a stressful week, so I need a distraction from this and my upcoming plans of a bachelorette so that I can continue with my days. Alex, how about you? I just love the fact that when I told you Mercury was in retrograde, you turned that into something about Mercury. Something about Mercury. I don't know. Is it in retrograde? <laughs> what grade is it in? Um, <laughs> that got me going. I, my need for distraction is I feel as though I am now becoming a part-time event planner and I hate it. I hate it with every core of my body. I don't mind planning shindigs. I don't mind planning parties. I'm just tired because I feel as though that is all I've been doing for the month of September slash beginning of October. And I, I swear to God, if anyone puts one more event on my plate, I will cry because everything is busy and I hate it. Do you loathe it? You hate it that much right now. I I am on the loathe train. Loathe me up in lotion because I am loathing everything. That, Love it. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's basically where we're at. And I think without getting more into the loathing and hatred of event planning and Mercury in retrograde and being late to work and work in general. I think it's time that we talk some weird distractions. What do you say? Me and Ollie agree. So we should talk about this conspiracy. Yes. And for those who don't know, Ollie is Christie's cat, just as a little preference in case you don't know. And he always has to be with me when we record these episodes, literally beside the mic. If you can't hear this minimal purring right now. Yes. And if you're on Patreon, you've met Ollie because we like to give our patrons behind the scene photos and you can find us on Patreon at Weird Distractions Podcast. But alas, this week's distraction has all the elements of a mystery, a disappearance of a well-known public figure, a bumbling police force, and a big old question of what happened. With that being said, we're chatting about the mysterious disappearance of mystery author Agatha Christie. Some listeners may know Agatha for her published works, such as Murder on the Orient Express, The ABC Murders, 
Death on the Nile, and more. Before we dive into the history of Agatha and the theories as to why she disappeared, I want to give a little bit of a trigger warning as I will be discussing topics around mental health such as depression, grief, and suicidal ideations which some may find to be triggering. I will also state that there is so much information out there about Agatha, her works, and life, but for the purpose of today's episode, I've had to dial back a lot. So if you're a fan of hers, please know, I mean absolutely no disrespect by not mentioning everything, but Christy would have my head if I had, you know, 12 pages or 20 pages of notes. So that is Just why. Slightly. It's only um, 8 p.m., so... This is great. Let's get going. <laughs> yes, yes. So, born a Virgo, Agatha Mary Clarissa Miller came into the world on September 15, 1890, to parents Clara and Frederick Miller. She was born in Torquay, United Kingdom, and was the youngest of three children. Based on what I've seen, in the early years of Agatha's birth, the Miller family lived a comfortable life, not necessarily meaning that they were extremely wealthy, but they were able to afford a home and other necessities without a lot of issues. This would change later on when Agatha's father died, but I'm not really going to get into that today. Agatha was allegedly homeschooled, in which some accounts claim that Agatha's mother, Clara, didn't want her daughter to learn how to read until she was eight years old. I don't know why this is, but it seemingly turned out to be a positive thing in the long scheme of things. Eight years old. Mm, I know. You have to learn, like, what's, what's, what's Jamie's go-to speech pathology saying? It was like, you have to learn 50 or 500 words by the time five or something. Eight? Yeah. And, like, not reading or anything. Exactly. And for preference for new listeners, Jamie is our speech pathologist friend who primarily works with children, question mark, I think. Right? Mainly children would prefer adults, but does both. Yes, exactly. So sometimes we know things about speech and sometimes we don't. All thanks to Jamie. But regardless, as mentioned, this would actually kind of turn out to be a positive thing because either she was bored or to kind of spite her mother's plans, Agatha reportedly taught herself how to read between ages four and five. So it's kind of one of those reverse psychology things. If I tell you not to do something, you might end up actually doing it. So her mother telling her not to read actually inclined her to teach herself how to read. It's, it's very, very progressive. Well, at four and five, that's good that she went against her mother's wishes because that's great that she started learning to read a little earlier because it's kind of important to survive. Exactly. So Agatha reportedly seemed to always be surrounded by storytellers telling wild, dramatic stories, which it didn't take long for her to be bit by the writing bug, reportedly creating her own thrilling stories of adventure, crime, and mystery. Agatha was known to write short stories as a teenager to pass the time and to probably express herself creatively. Jumping to sometime in 1912, then 22-year-old Agatha reportedly attended a local dance where she met a dashing young man by the name of Archibald Chris. Archibald, or Archie, was a pilot who had been listed to work in Exeter at the time. Archie and Agatha fell in love, despite the warning signs from Agatha's mother, who thought that Archie was not the type to settle down or stay faithful. Jumping two years from when they met, when the First World War broke out in 1914, Archie was scheduled to go to France. This would mean that the young couple would have to be separated from one another, which this was the time before cell phones and the internet, so long distance really meant long distance. Like, you weren't talking to the person for quite some time. Just mailing some snail mail letters, it's fine. I feel as though that would have been more romantic, because then there's the anticipation of waiting for the letter, and you really bear your soul out because you really only have one shot to send the letter in, whereas nowadays it's all dick pics and 
emojis and Snapchats and stuff. I don't know what the kids are doing these days. Are you get a simple reply of your dead dying love in this text message and they're like, KK, or they leave you on unread, or they ghost you. Oh, yes, or they ghost you. The other sad thing is if they rent send the snail mail letter and the letter got lost in the mail, that would be a little depressing. That'd be really sad. See, there's pros and cons to everything. Life is just a big pro and con list. Let's be real here. Speaking of pro, when Archie came back to the Exeter area in December of 1914, the couple decided to get married on Christmas Eve. Aw, Christmas wedding. I have I nothing. I hate those. I, I was going to say, I, I'm glad. If, if, I, if this year I see any engagement picture on Christmas Eve or New Year's Eve, I'm going to throw up. I hate those. Honestly, 2020 was the worst year for that because it seemed as if everyone and their great grandmother was getting engaged. And hey, before I go continue on my tension, if you got engaged on Christmas or Christmas Eve, props to you. We're just too unmarried spinsters over here that just don't like the concept of getting engaged on Christmas for many years. thrive in my hatred because I'm sassy and what's the word? Single? Butthurt about it. I don't know. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I, I'm not a big Christmas fan. So to me, it's like, well, that's unfortunate. But hey, to each their own. Um, we'll, we'll get talking about their marriage in a bit. So don't you worry. Jumping ahead a bit. Agatha and Archie would go on and have one child, Rosalind, who was born in August of 1919. During the war and while Archie was away, Agatha reportedly worked as a voluntary aid detachment nurse in Torquay's Red Cross Hospital, which allegedly was taken over by Belgian refugees. Around 1920, Agatha, who was a new mother and volunteering, was challenged by one of her sisters to write a good mystery story. Agatha ran with this challenge, and this would be the birth of her first novel, The Mysterious Affair at Styles, and one of her well-known characters, Belgian detective Hercule Poirot. The book was denied by several publishers before publisher John Lane reportedly bought the book and offered to contract Agatha to write five more books. Agatha blossomed into writing stardom and seemed to be making a real name for herself. However, things at home weren't flourishing. Even though the marriage sounded good on paper, it seemed as though Archie couldn't seem to stay grounded in his marriage. There were rumors that Archie began an affair with 25-year-old Nancy Neal. Nancy was allegedly 10 years younger than Agatha and had met Archie at a party based on what I read. If this wasn't bad enough, Agatha's mother, Clara, died around this time in April of 1926, which reportedly forced Agatha to clean out her childhood home. So Agatha's dealing with a lot at this point in time, specifically 1926. It wasn't bad enough. I mean, she's dealing with losing her mother, who she was really close with. She was dealing with the rumors of Archie cheating on her. And then only a couple of months after her mother had passed away, specifically in August of 1926, Archie had asked Agatha for a divorce. So literally her mom died in April and Archie was asking for a divorce in August. And I'm sorry, I know that... You don't want to just stay with someone in a relationship just because of timing or whatever. But damn, that's cold, Archie. Like, come on. She just lost her mom. Archie's a bit of an asshole. Because why do you gotta go 10 years younger, make people feel all insecure? Then their mother passes away and you're like, I'm out of, the, I'm out of this marriage. Bye. He's an asshole. Yeah, and obviously we don't recommend people staying in a relationship just to make the other person happy. I think there should be mutual happiness. But in the same sense, she just lost her mother, dude. Read the room. Like, come on. And you just, 
you know, you, you're cheating on her on top of that. Like, I know, I know there's probably isn't maybe a good time for this to happen, but could you at least wait a bit, just a little bit longer? Or, you know, maybe just don't be a dick and cheat on your wife and work your problems out. I just, I don't know. It's trash material to me. It's shitty person shelf material, to be frank. 1926 was supposed to be a big year for Agatha. Her novel, The Murder of Roger Ackroyd, was gaining huge success, yet things seemed to be breaking down around her. The grief and turmoil of her marriage seemed to create a writer's block while writing the book, The Mystery of the Blue Train. And not only that, but she was dealing with depression, grief. Just overall, Agatha was not doing well, which then segues us into the disappearance of Agatha. So I'm going to jump from August of 1926 to December 3rd of 1926. On this December evening, Agatha had put then five-year-old Rosalind to bed at approximately 9 p.m. Agatha reportedly left her daughter's room, gathered a briefcase, and left her home in Surrey Downs by car. On December 4th, Agatha's car was found abandoned, dangling over the edge of a quarry at Newlands Corner. The car appeared to have been driven off the road heading towards a nearby cliff, according to the coverage by BuzzFeed Unsolved. This obviously seems peculiar. However, what's more odd is the fact that inside the car only to be found were a fur coat, the briefcase she had packed, and her driver's license. As some may imagine, Agatha was nowhere to be found. Newspaper articles and rumors started swirling as to what happened to Agatha. Had she been kidnapped? Was she murdered? Did she simply just run away? The whereabouts of the mystery writer had become as such a mystery. Three days after the discovery of Agatha's car, her brother-in-law had reportedly disclosed that he had received a letter from Agatha noting that she was receiving treatment and spa services in Yorkshire. The police had seemingly paused the search for Agatha with the news of this letter. However, as indicated in the BuzzFeed and Solve video I watched, it appeared as though the police had speculated the letter was fake and resumed the investigation. And, for those wondering, we'll get back to discussing letters in a bit, because there's more than one. In terms of the investigation, it is suspected that tens of thousands of fans, along with a police force, had spent a total of two weeks searching for Agatha. There were hundreds of reported settings of Agatha all over the UK, but yet no one could seem to find her. Police seemed desperate. They tried to bring in Agatha's dog, along with other dogs, to try and locate her, which was unsuccessful. Speaking of unsuccessful, they also tried to see if her manuscripts had any clues in them that could help locate her, which didn't really pan out. When this proved to leave nowhere, police reportedly brought in a group of mediums and spiritualists to hold a seance, with hopes that maybe they were able to gather some information from beyond. Shockingly, they did not. They're just assuming she's dead already? <laughs> like, what? Yeah, it's, from what I gathered, they had the seance, and I think, I, think, I think what I read was they had the seance, and they were like, yeah, she's still alive. And then that was kind of it. Like, that was the only information they rolled to get. But So because the seance is unsuccessful, they're like, she must be alive. But then they can't find her, and all this other shit's going on. Yeah, I think one of the mediums had said oh she's still alive she's still kicking it was either that or your theory christy of oh well the seance didn't work we weren't able to get her on the other side so clearly (laughs) that would helped us a little bit maybe (laughs) yeah that that ruled one option out (laughs) needless to say didn't really go as far as i think the police were hoping 
According to the BuzzFeed Unsolved video, there have also been speculations that Agatha's disappearance was the first time airplanes were used to try and locate a missing person. Even with potential eyes from the sky trying to find Agatha, it seemed as though there were no signs of her anywhere. Some glimmer of hope floated through on December 11th when the New York Times published that there were a total of three letters left behind by Agatha before her disappearance. This is before they figure out that they're fake? Or this is like they're now finding more letters but still thinking they're fake? So they thought the letter to the brother-in-law was fake. And at first, that was the only letter we were aware of. But then all of a sudden, on the 11th of December, New York Times was like, hey, there's two more letters. And as far as my understanding, they well, let me, let me tell you about these letters, and I will just confirm now that police did not make a statement of whether or not they thought these letters were fake. But for some reason, they thought the one from the brother-in-law was fake, which was kind of silly on their end. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Once again, bumbling police force. All tea, all shade. Questionable choices were made. You know how we feel about some police force shenanigans in some stories. Exactly. So the second letter, once again referencing the BuzzFeed Unsolved video, was reportedly directed to Agatha's private secretary. This letter to her secretary didn't seem to include anything in terms of her location, more so just details about scheduling. Which brings us to the third letter. This letter was left for her cheating husband, Archibald. Here's where things get weird. So allegedly Archie refused to hand over the letter to authorities, and further there is some speculation that he went as far as burning the letter. Supposedly Archie claimed that the letter from Agatha had no information regarding where she was, hence why he maybe didn't feel the need to hand it over. It's still a bit odd in my opinion that he refused to hand it over, unless maybe it was just her writing to him about how he's a big piece of shit. But from what I gather though, police didn't bother further regarding the letter to Archie. They were just kind of like, oh, you burned it? Okay. And kind of went on with their merry way. That's not suspicious at all. Even if there was nothing in it, they called him an asshole. She called him an asshole or whatever. She's still missing, potentially. That is a very important fact, potentially, if there's information in there, whether it's useful or not, that you should give it to the police. I'm just saying. Yeah, I agree. It's... It's weird in my mind. It doesn't make sense. It's not It's not a good look for you, Archie. I mean, you're not really the the one for looks, but this one is not not one of your greatest. I can tell you that for free. So four days after the publication about the letters, a banjo player by the name of Bob Tappan shared some enlightening information. Bob was a part of a band at the Swan Hydro Hotel, which is located in Harrogate, Yorkshire, and reportedly saw a woman meeting the same description as one Agatha Christie. Bob reportedly recalled seeing this mysterious woman dancing the Charleston to his band as they played, Yes, We Have No Bananas. There maybe wasn't any bananas, but there was, without a doubt, an Agatha Christie on that dance floor. Agatha, who had been missing for a reported 12 days, was located at the Swan Hydro Hotel, thus proving the letter to her brother-in-law that she was indeed receiving spa services in Yorkshire. Which is kind of funny because police literally dismissed the letter to the brother-in-law as being fake. So when they got that letter, they literally never went there at all? Literally never went there. Absolutely literally never went there. I'm sorry. I'm not a cop, but that's policing 101. Let's go look where they said they were. Like, whether it's a dead end or not. Yeah. Fuck stupid. Yeah, kind of. They are, because I'm sorry, but what? You're telling me that you were literally given a clue and you're just like, yeah, seems fake. I'm just confused. She's there doing that. But why is her car potentially hanging off a quarry and why is her license in the car? And 
I'm still confused with that part. We will get to it because we will discuss some of the potential theories. And yeah, this one's really weird and interesting. And that's why I had a hard time dialing back my notes because there's a lot to it. It's very convoluted. It's convoluted, but it might be more simple than we think. Okay, we'll see. Yes. So rather than going on and on about the shoddy police work, we should probably focus on what apparently took place. Bob had reported to police that Agatha was at the hotel in which police, along with Archie, went to the hotel to see if the claims were true. I'm going to directly quote a clipping from a 1926 Guardian newspaper article regarding what took place when Archie and the police showed up. Quote, Agatha walked down the stairs and when Colonel Christie saw her, he turned to Superintendent McDowell and said, it is my wife. Two versions of what happened are telegraphed. According to one, there was an affectionate meeting and immediately afterwards, they, being Agatha and Archie, went into the dining room for dinner. Another says the husband immediately recognized his wife, but she only seemed to regard him as an acquaintance whose identity she did not quite fix. It was sufficient recognition, however, to permit of her accompanying him to the dining room where they had dinner together, end quote. Okay, yeah, both of those are interesting because, one, she doesn't know who he is or is an acquaintance, so maybe something happened. And second of all, if she did recognize him, I wouldn't be going to go have a lovely dinner with my shitty ex-husband who's a cheater. After I've been missing for a little bit. That's not my first choice. Well, might I add, he's not an ex yet. I mean... The divorce hadn't finalized. He had asked for a divorce. They were kind of like it in the process. Might as well be split up. He's a cheating asshole. Yeah, he he's still a piece of shit. I don't know why I'm defending him. I'm sorry. I, I don't I don't know what came over me. Ugh, disgusting. But it's Ooh. in yeah it loathing in the lotion. But it's interesting because either way, it's just like okay, there she is. It's like where's Waldo? But more intense and confusing and a bit awkward because it's you know there's this huge investigation into finding one of the most well-known mystery writers of all time miss agatha christie and all of a sudden it's like oh yeah there she is okay we're all done wrap it up gather the dogs get the mediums we're going back and it's the story. Just, yeah <laughs> it's, it's it's really odd isn't it just i don't know it gives me weird vibes and it's gonna get weirder because this is Weird Distractions podcast and everything's weird. So we like to keep it on brand, you know. Exactly. So although there are two separate accounts of what happened when Archie and Agatha did connect, there seems to be a consistent part of the story, whereas after Agatha reportedly struggled with her memory. I'm going to quote the Guardian article again, as Archie had stated the following in an interview that is worth mentioning. Quote, There is no question of her identity. She is my wife. She is suffering from complete loss of memory. We are hoping to take her to London tomorrow to see doctors and specialists, and we're hoping that with rest and quiet, she will be fully restored, end quote. So it's been assumed that Agatha got out of her car and went to King's Cross Station, where she got on a train to Harrogate with essentially no luggage. When she got to the hotel, she apparently enjoyed the dances taking place as well as the spa service there. Now, some may be wondering, how is it that Agatha was able to enjoy all these festivities in a hotel, which is a seemingly public place, without being noticed by anyone for such a time? I mean, she was on the front page news and everything, so... How? Question mark. Did this happen? Was everyone that was staying there completely oblivious and not paying attention? 
Well, it may be because Agatha had signed herself into the hotel as Mrs. Teresa Neal. And that was the name she was going by at the hotel. And if you remember from a little bit earlier, Archie's mistress's name was that of Nancy Neal. So when Archie was questioned about why Agatha went by Teresa Neal, he indicated that his wife had no idea who she was and was using this random ass name, which in reality, if you think about it isn't that random because it's the same last name as the woman who is having an affair with her husband i think she picked that name out of spite and was like i'm just gonna fuck off and go live my best life weirdly and this is weird scenario gone missing but living her best life and was like i'm just gonna pretend to be somebody and potentially your mistress's name and go to a spa and whatever else it's weird but even if she used a fake name that's the point of missing person thing pictures is using a picture you're supposed to recognize people no one recognized her yeah and another weird aspect of it was at one point police thought that agatha was maybe disguising herself as different people or as of a man they kind of thought that she was pretending not to be seen as herself so wearing some kind of disguise but there's no proof that that actually happened right it's just it's like I said, this one's kind of a weird one, isn't it? It's, it's, there's these little tidbits it's, that, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, so Archie and Agatha would go on to live separately after this incident before divorcing in 1928. Archie would go on to marry Nancy, and Agatha reportedly moved on to marry an archaeologist by the name of Max Malowin. So after receiving some psychiatric supports and after her divorce, Agatha appeared to slide back into life as she knew it. There was one catch, though. She very rarely discussed the 1926 disappearance at all, which we will circle back to because there is a time she did discuss it. I don't know. It, it kind of seemed as if she didn't really harbor any ill will outwardly towards Archie, despite all the shit he put her through, which is fair. I mean, sometimes people are able to be civil and be, you know, platonic with their exes, even though their exes put them through hell. I'm not one of those people, so I can't relate to Agatha in any way, shape, or form. If you're an ex, you're basically dead to me. Um, but you know to each their own and i'm gonna say from history me and alex together um if you're an ex you're basically wiped from their existence yeah we're kind of spiteful bitches i'm not gonna lie but i feel as though that's what makes us such great friends it's the best of both worlds. Exactly. Backing up to the disappearance itself, according to the History UK article by Ben Johnson, it was deemed that Agatha had suffered from a possible concussion and amnesia. But as listeners may have guessed it, some people aren't buying this notion. With that being said, I think it's time for us to take a drive down conspiracy theory lane. I'm going to be going over three theories and three theories only. If you have another theory or if you've heard of another theory, you can let us know but these are the ones we're going to stick to for time's sake and the fact that these are the only ones I found online. Anyways, the first theory is the whole disappearance was a publicity stunt. So some people speculate that Agatha had reportedly disappeared as part of some publicity stunt to boost the, the sales of her books. The suspected notion being if she was frontline news because she was missing, people may be more inclined to buy her books. I will say we do still see this even today. Not necessarily necessarily the exact same scenario, but if a celebrity of sorts goes missing or dies, 
sales seemed to kind of skyrocket after the fact. I mean, I think it was Michael Jackson after he passed away, his sales just blew up because everyone basically was buying his albums, his merchandise. It's post-humorous sales are very common, especially in today's society, I would say. What do you think? Yeah, I definitely would say it's not so much like I'm thinking books-wise because I don't really hear much about famous authors or read a lot of books in that sense, but it's more music-driven, I hear. There's Mac Miller, there were celebrities, that died their movies get really big and stuff like that it's that the hype of everything comes up yeah a, a thousand percent agreed but ryan from buzzfeed and solve disclosed some holes in this theory though one of them being that agatha's book the murder of roger Ackroyd, which was released earlier in 1926 was doing just fine in the sales department it really didn't need any more boosting those that knew agatha also allegedly stated that it would be extremely out of character for her to pull this kind of stunt Apparently, Agatha hated being the center of attention and had stage fright, so purposely putting herself in the public eye in the way of a disappearance where she was literally on every newspaper stand seems like a bit of a stretch. I mean, sure, she could have overcame that fear to get the sales, but in the same sense, it just kind of seems, eh, I don't really... I'm not really buying this one. No, my interpretation from this so far is even if something heebie-jeebies happened in her disappearance to begin with, she went off and she was loving her best life trying to hide from people. Like she's not trying to be in the center of attention of anything. She did happen to be that when she went missing and that was kind of a big deal, but she wasn't purposely trying to be missing. Like she was living her best life, whatever happened with that. Yeah, exactly. However, she got there, she got there, but I don't think it was because she was trying to boost book sales by any means, shape, or form. So I'm going to say from both of us, we're not really for theory number one, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Okay, so theory number two. The disappearance was a setup to embarrass Archie. This one's my favorite because fuck Archibald. Well, let's hear it. All right. So some others speculate that Agatha manifested this entire situation in order to throw public shade at Archie. So 1926 was a tough year for Agatha, as we know. And Archie was one of the torpedoes behind the rough waters that she was dealing with. Because of this, some point out that her disappearance and subsequent discovery using the same last name of her husband, Mistress, and perhaps outing him as a cheater was a big old middle finger to the former pilot. It's also been documented that the weekend of Agatha's disappearance landed on the same time as Archie and Nancy's romantic rendezvous. The rendezvous was to take place at Nancy's home, which, according to the BuzzFeed and Solve coverage, was only six miles away from where Agatha's car was found. So imagine being Archie trying to woo his new mistress with pictures of his wife plastered on every newspaper and being on the lips of probably many conversations. Try to have an affair with that happening. This one does sound interesting so far. That is kind of peculiar that she was so close to where potentially Nancy lives mm-hmm. and she used her last name. Mm-hmm. And give a F you to Archie and being like, now everyone knows you're a big ass cheater. Me, 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 me. Yeah. Not only would Archie's weekend plans been ruined, but it would also then allow for speculation and realization of how shitty of a husband Archie was to Agatha. And I mean, I'm here for it. I am loving this Carrie Underwood-esque weekend big middle finger. Let's ruin your plans and ruin your life. Scratching your four-wheel drive kind of mood that Agatha is giving. However... 
There is no confirmed motive behind any of this. This is literally just online online and probably pre-online speculation. Agatha was reportedly very tight-lipped and unbegrudgingly toward Archie in her biography, despite the presumed emotional chaos he caused. And to kind of foil this theory some more, which bums me out because I love a good old screw you to a cheater moment... A public shading once again seems a bit out of character for someone like Agatha, who was known to not necessarily like the limelight and not really one to, I'm going to say, cause a scene. She seems very, I don't want to say secluded, but just very, uh, what's the word for somebody who's not outgoing? Um, Introvert. Yeah, she's very introverted. Yeah. I get that vibe. And yeah, if, even if she was trying to say a big F you to her husband, she wouldn't outwardly do it like that with such public go about it. She would just be saying F you in person or something. So it, it seems a little bit off brand for her. Yeah, exactly. So what are your thoughts on theory number two? I feel like meh. I'm not no, but I'm like yes. But I'm like meh. Yeah, I mean, when I read it, I was kind of for it because it's like, yes, the revenge of Agatha Christie. Like, she's sticking it to Archie, that cheating bastard. And then I kind of read more into it. And it was like, well, there's nothing set in stone or nothing confirming that this was actually legit. No hints, no clues, just kind of rumor mill stuff so needless to say i like it but i don't think this is it which then leads us to the last theory theory number three agatha was in a car crash and suffered from memory loss so this theory was reportedly stated by agatha in february of 1928 agatha would agree to be interviewed by the daily mail which again referencing the buzzfeed unsolved youtube coverage apparently this was the only time she publicly addressed the disappearance. In this interview, she indicated that shortly before the incident, she had been struggling with insomnia and getting less than four hours of sleep at night. Agatha also noted she was struggling with depression, and on the day of her disappearance, she was also experiencing suicidal ideations. According to a 2017 Daily Mail article by Andrew Wilson, Agatha was planning on visiting Archie's mother alongside her daughter Rosalind in Dorking on December 3rd for an afternoon visit. This drive reportedly would pass the quarry. Her car would be found near on December 4th, located specifically at Newlands Corner. In a direct quote by Agatha from her original 1928 interview, quote, there came into my mind the thought of driving into the quarry. However, my daughter was with me in the car. I dismissed the idea at once. That night, I felt terribly miserable. I felt that I could go on no longer. I left home that night in a state of high nervous strain with the intention of doing something desperate, end quote. As the claims go, Agatha went out later in the evening of December 3rd and was driving around after putting Rosalind to sleep. At one point, she had allegedly thought about throwing herself into the river with an intention of perhaps drowning. However, later abandoned this idea as she would recount that she was too good of a swimmer and I'm going to speculate that because of this, she probably thought that instead of letting herself drown, she would try to fight and try to swim, right? Kind of like a first instinct to save herself when she obviously is not in the headspace to want to save herself. Do you catch my drift? I do. Agatha then reportedly went back to Newland's Corner, in which I'm going to use another direct quote by Agatha from the Daily Mail. 
Quote, when I reached a point on the road, which I thought was near the quarry, I turned the car off the road down the hill towards it. I left the wheel and let the car run. The car struck something with a jerk and pulled up suddenly. I was flung against the steering wheel and my head hit something. If you're trying to go off with the theory that you're having some kind of amnesia from an accident, how are you able to remember what happened during the accident? That's a good question, and we will get to it. Fine. You're unimpressed and unamused already. I love it. But after this, Agatha seemingly left her car and wandered to a nearby station and ended up in Harrogate. As mentioned previously, to the public, it was deemed that Agatha had suffered from memory loss. In dissecting this theory, I will say that I am in no way disrespecting Agatha Christie or saying her disclosure is not her truth. However, I will say I find it weird that with a potential concussion or memory loss, she was able to maneuver her way through train stations and into a hotel, which she then was able to sign herself in without any reported concern. On top of this, although it may be true, she may not have remembered her name. However, how was it that she was able to come up with the identity she did come up with? Supposedly, Agatha was Teresa Neal from South Africa, the same last name as her husband's mistress. I'm not saying that any of this is kind of out of the realm of possibility. I personally have never had a concussion or suffered with amnesia, so I don't know what the brain kind of does to try to, you know, kind of keep alive or keep you moving and kind of keep you in survival mode. But I personally just have a hard time thinking like okay so you coming up with this fake name and you being able to go to the train station and get on a train here and a train there and get into a hotel without any issues or anyone seeing you have any issues because that's the other thing too she was all in public for majority of this after she left that car she was in the public and no one like people were claiming to see her but no one was like hey that's agatha christie she doesn't look good let's let's call the cops and get them to come get her because she looks like she's been in an accident it just to me it seems weird i don't know christy what do you think it all sounds a little fishy to me yes again i've never also experienced that i don't know how the brain decides to protect itself but it all seems very interesting yeah and by no means are christy and i neurologists i know <sighs> shocking with all the education and smarts and all that fun stuff that we obviously are just seeping through this podcast as you can tell by listening it's a shocker we're not neurologists but it's interesting it's weird and it doesn't make sense to me if you're a neurologist and you're listening can you help us make it make sense because to me it doesn't make sense but it's I'm not saying it's not possible, but I'm just saying I have more questions. Um, in the 2017 Daily Mail article by Andrew Wilson, he speculated that Agatha had tried to die by suicide, but didn't, and ran off due to shame as attempting suicide as a Christian, which Agatha identified as, supposedly, was seemingly frowned upon. I think we can all agree that Agatha was dealing with a lot in 1926. She had lost her mom, she lost her husband, she was struggling with writer's block, bouts of depression, suicidal thoughts. You know, she was going through it in the worst way possible. Because of this, I don't want to diminish anything Agatha claims because at the end of the day, she dealt with a lot in a short matter of time. However, given the circumstances, there's still a lot of mystery behind this theory. Before jumping to the summary, I will add again that the 1928 interview by the Daily Mail was the only time Agatha ever spoke about this incident publicly. Which is interesting. You only speak once and just never speak about it again? Was she judged for it? Well, I will say... A a lot of people after the fact speculated and kind of I don't want to say shamed her but kind of put her on blast well yeah I guess shamed her but 
a lot of people speculated that this was all a publicity stunt. So maybe that's why she didn't really talk about it because no matter what, people had their own preconceived notion before she even got a chance to speak about it. And even, I mean, hey, we're here even talking about what she's saying happened and we're having a hard time and we're kind of like, Understanding mm, it, yeah. yeah, exactly. So I, I get it. I, I do. Joan Oates, one of Agatha's friends, reportedly told Agatha's biographer that the incident was basically an unspoken subject. And furthering Jones statement in a direct quote from the Daily Mail quote I was told once that someone had broached the subject and she wouldn't speak to that person again end quote so needless to say it was just one of those things that you did not bring up to her at all it's a touchy subject apparently yeah exactly and to be fair I mean I don't I think sitting with it and thinking about it more I can understand maybe why she didn't want to bring it up because the way I can kind of conceive it is living in a small town Right. And you have an entire small town where people talk and people, you know, know everybody's business. And if you do one thing, everybody comes up with a preconceived notion of who you are as a person without actually knowing you. And sometimes it's hard to try to convince this person this small town of people that, hey, that's not true, or hey, you know, this is actually me. Right. Now imagine that scenario, but with an entire nation or a country or world even because i mean this wasn't just oh this happened in a little you you know uk town it was all over the world that this story was being spread across right so i i can imagine maybe why the shutdown is but then it also kind of adds a little bit of mystery and a little bit of wonder as to okay but if she only ever talked about it once was it because of you know, she was tired of talking about it and she didn't want to talk about it anymore or, or, you know, fear that people wouldn't get it or what have you. Or was it because there's something else or there was another reason or there was, you know, something, something more to it that she just wanted to keep a mystery? Yeah, it definitely seems like she wanted just to kind of get her story out once. And then from there, yeah, like it seems that shutting down is her coping mechanism. Exactly. So Agatha, world-renowned author, mother, sister, daughter, friend, and so much more, would go on and pass away on January 12th, 1976 at age 85. Even though she had stated her tale of events, many still are caught up in the mystery of what happened and if her disclosure was the actual truth. As always, unless we were there, we may never pursue see the situation the way it actually happened and with that one of the world's greatest mystery writers will remain a mystery herself what isn't a mystery though is the great resources i access for this episode so thank you to the historic uk website by ben johnson don't you love my segues my sources are so great yes <laughs> yes so yeah thank you ben johnson for your article the curious disappearance of agatha christie the buzzfeed unsolved youtube video which shout out to my boys ryan and shane no we do not know each other personally for me to call you my boys but i love your work anyways that's the you. only wish yeah, I know, basically. Uh, but shout out to them for their YouTube video, The Puzzling Disappearance of Agatha Christie, which was uploaded on June 25th, 2021. The Notable Biographies website, the All That's Interesting website article, Inside the Bizarre 11-Day Saga of the Disappearance of Agatha Christie, by Natasha Ishak on July 6, 2020. The Guardian newspaper, Mrs. Christie Found, December 15th, 1926. And last but not least, big ol' shout out to the Daily Mail article, Solved the Last Great Agatha Christie Mystery. Acclaimed biographer presents chilling new theory about crime novelist's disappearance by Andrew Wilson on May 6, 2017. Now, Christie, 
Can you shine a light on the mystery of maybe where people can support the show, where they can follow us along for free, our Patreon information, and all that good good? Yes. Segway to me and my stuff, fun stuff, and great sources. <laughs> so where you guys can find us on, we are pretty much on a variety of different platforms, but any podcast platform you listen to, and specifically Apple Podcasts. If you listen on Apple, please go and give us some stars, give us some ratings, give a review, any of that's lovely. Also Spotify, Google, and again, many more to search for us. You can also support us as our via media platforms, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Again, just searching Weird Distractions Podcast. Looking for more Weird Distractions because you enjoy us so much, and I hope you do. I would tell you to go over to our Patreon page. We have two tiers of Patreons available. Gives you some bonus content, gives you some stickers, some behind-the-scenes footage. Highly recommend. Go check it out. Probably sign up. Would be great. Want to shout out our current members, Tom, Bailey, and Angela. As you guys always know, we always love you, enjoy you, and hope you love our content. We love you. That is my Britney Spears impersonation. A little out of tone. <laughs> Too always. <laughs> And I'm going to stop singing, and I'm going to continue. Um, if you want to help out the show some more, other than Patreon, uh, we, we would say you go over to Buy Me a Coffee. You guys can give us a one-time pledge of any amount just to show some support in that way as well. Also, go into Redbubble. We have lots of merch on there. Search us. You can buy up lots of goodies. Halloween's coming soon, so what a great reason to get some spooky stuff. Furthermore, we are doing our Lister Disruptions episodes are hoping to get some more out we have one currently out from june 13th so we just need some more content from you guys to get some more of that good stuff out there to you so please send in your stories anything small large weird not weird spooky not spooky to weird distractions podcast at outlook.com lastly this is october 3rd so it is spooky season in our minds and we have some goodies coming up so i want you guys to keep being sure you're staying tuned and watching mm-hmm. our media platforms for some things to be coming yeah so we have our midweek mini spooks coming out our first one comes out this wednesday if you're on patreon though you've already got all four of them so you're ahead of the game you already know you're in the know okay you already know what's going on you know what's good you're already spooked scared terrified horrified what have you but for the rest of you you have all month of october to get extra mini episodes from us every wednesday for the month of october so that's pretty neat. And Christy and I, I'm so excited. We have something in the works for Halloween, but we're not going to tell anybody, not even our patrons. Well, they might know before the regular, regular <laughs> listeners, but for the most part, nobody knows except Christy and I. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's spooky. That's creepy. That's weird. And that's how we're going to keep it. So keep your eyes peeled. And the best way you can do that is if you subscribe and follow along. And that way you never miss a beat or an awkward joke. So so don't miss out. Just keep following. Exactly. And if you need a distraction. We got you. Goodbye. Bye.